Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Buckeye Talk is the big uh, Friday podcast. Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. We are dipping, not diving, dipping in to the Ohio State Buckeyes and the 2021 NFL Draft. Because guess what? It's in Cleveland. These guys are getting drafted in Cleveland. And guess what? Like Urban Meyer has the number one pick in the draft in Cleveland. I hope Urban's there in person. I'm going to spend a week with Urban. Building up to the draft. Where does he go? Where does he go to lunch? I hope they. Have, I hope it's live. I hope it's not virtual like Vegas, right? Remember last year, it was like the virtual stuff. Man, it'd be great if it's live. But anyway, we just want to give you guys a sense, a sense, a sense of how preliminarily they're not going to have the combine. So that's going to be different. But, you know, guys are going to run. Guys are going to lift. They have all this stuff on tape. So the evaluations won't be that different. But we want to just tell you where people are sort of viewing these guys right now. And I want to start off with this. I don't know how much you guys have looked at this, Stephen and Nathan. I'm hoping the answer is kind of not at all. because. But if you've looked at it, that's fine. Because I want to get the quick view and then we'll, we'll dip in a little bit. The last five years, this is how many Buckeyes got drafted in the last five drafts. 2020 draft, there were 10. The year before that, nine, seven, seven. And then back to the gigantic 2016 draft, Joey Bosa, Ezekiel Elliott, all those guys, 12 guys picked that year and 10 of them were in the first three rounds. So that was like a a record-breaking draft in a lot of ways. Right now, not looking yet, Nathan, how many Buckeyes do you think will be drafted in the 2021 NFL draft? Ooh, drafted top to bottom. I mean, without like not really going through all the guys in your head because we're going to do that. I just want to get your initial impression. I mean, nine. Steven? Ten. Okay. That's in the right range, which is, which is in a pretty good range, right? Last year was 10. The year before was nine. The year before was seven. The year before was seven, right? Where I think, would you say, Nathan, that as you think about it, there's just not as many like elite guys necessarily that spring to mind compared to Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, J.K. Yeah. Dobbins, Malika, right? Justin, of course, Justin Fields, of course. But is that where our heads are right now in thinking about this? Yeah, the night of the draft, I don't need to be ready to post something like 15 minutes into the draft. It's going to be more like, 
you know, maybe an hour into the draft before we get your first Ohio State player taken, or maybe even longer than that, I guess, because it's like 10 or 15 minutes per pick. So it could be pretty well, now late. I disagree oh, no. with that. Yeah, yeah, Actually, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's one guy that um, – I mean, Justin's going to be the second pick. Justin Fields. No, that's not the point. It won't Besides be Justin Fields. It won't be – yeah, 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 yeah. It won't be a back to back It'll be Justin Fields, and then there'll be that gap. Right. You're right. You're right. You're right. But, yeah, it is different. It is different. It is that that one elite guy, the one elite of elites at the elite position. But then everything else, I think it, it's more a year of the, um, the 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 depth of talent of this program than it is the elite talent of the program. So let me read you this, and 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 this I think is interesting. Part of the issue here is all the guys that could have gone pro and would have been drafted that didn't go pro. So uh, Chris Olave obviously would have been drafted, maybe a first round pick. Jeremy Ruckert would have been drafted. Thayer Munford probably would have been drafted. Tyreek Smith would have been drafted. Haskell Garrett would have been drafted. Nicholas Petit Frere would have been drafted. Now, not every single guy is like, man, they were on the border. You know, I think it makes sense that Nicholas Petit Frere came back. But like Haskell Garrett could have gone. Thayer Munford could have gone. Jeremy Rucker could have gone. Chris Olave could have gone. So as we think about this, they also have like five or six guys that didn't go and would have been drafted. So that's kind of a thing, too. But let's now we'll get in a little like just Stephen that idea. I mean that's reinforcing kind of what we've covered the past couple of days. But there are going to be, as is the case many years, but there are going to be NFL players on Ohio State's 2021 team because right. I mean we could have been talking about a group that had 14 guys drafted this year. Yeah, <laughs> there's going to be NFL players on Ohio State's 2021 team. There's going to be NFL players every year, but yeah, this year specifically. There's going to be guys who should be in the NFL right now, not guys where, oh, yeah, they got NFL potential or top 100 potential. They should probably be playing on Sunday this week, except they decided not to do that. So, again, we're trying to give you a taste. So we're going to run through this off the top very quickly to zero in. We're getting so, so it's like the very just the first bite. Now we're digging in a little bit and then we'll get a little bit more to the meal. But it's not a heavy meal. It's still a light meal. All right. We're going to run through guys, and you guys say whether you think they'll be drafted or not, and then we'll zero in on your number, right? So Justin Fields, we all think he's going to be drafted. Yeah. Trey Sermon. Steven, will he be drafted? Yes. Nathan? Yes. Wyatt Davis, everybody thinks he'll be drafted. Yeah. Josh Myers, Nathan, will he be drafted? Yes. Steven, yep. Yes. Jonathan Cooper. Nathan, will he be drafted? You know, I, I, I'm comparing him to like a Jay Sean Cornell that was a seventh round pick last year, a sixth round pick, something like that. I think maybe he could. I think maybe he could be a late round pick. Steven? I think scouts like him and he might have a really good senior uh, showing at the senior bowl. So I'd say confidently, yes, maybe even higher than seventh round. Tommy Togi, I picked? Yes. Pete Werner, Steven. Pete Werner getting picked? Yes. Nathan? Yes. Steven, Baron Browning, he getting picked? Yes, and his NFL career might confuse people because it might be a lot better than his college career. Nathan, he getting picked? Yes. All right, so that's that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, and then Sean Wade. Nathan, Sean Wade getting picked? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's nine guys, and the only real hesitation was a little bit on Cooper but not even that much hesitation. That's nine, like, sure things, practically. So oh, now – Most of them. Well, no. Justin well, Fields, Trey Sermon, Wyatt Davis, Josh Myers. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually Probably pretty four. split. Yeah. No. So, so that's nine sure things. That's pretty good. And now we get into could Luke Farrell get picked? Steven, could Luke Farrell get picked? 
Yeah. He could. Nathan, like, yeah. would you? Would that be a possibility? Oh, sure. Tough Borland going to get picked, Nathan? What do you think? Is he got a shot? Tough Borland? I think I look at Tough Borland the same way I look at, like, Austin Mack, Ben Victor, those kind of guys. I think he has a roster spot at the end of this, but I don't know that he's a draft pick. I agree with that. I think he doesn't get drafted, and he's one of the first people we hear about that just signed an undrafted deal to join a practice squad or something. How about Justin Hilliard, Nathan? Got a shot to get, I, to get picked? I, I think of him in kind of the same way. Okay. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know about being a draft pick. Is he one of the best, like, 225 players in the country going into this draft? I don't know, but I think he's got a roster spot. I think he might be. I think he might be. It's just that medical report's way too harsh for somebody to draft him. I think Justin Hilliard is more athletic than Tough Borland. So yeah. I actually think Justin Hilliard and Steven, you of course make the right yes, the medicals are gonna matter on Justin. I think actually think Justin has a role. I don't I have grave not grave doubts. I'm not trying. I don't think Tough Borland's an NFL player. Honestly. I just don't think there's too many coverage responsibilities for linebackers these days. I mean, like a run-stopping middle linebacker is not like a thing that you really can be in a lot of ways. Like, I just don't think he can cover at the level. I don't think he'll get picked, and I don't think he'll make a roster. He might wind up on somebody's practice squad. He'll be That's in what camp. I meant. Yep. Everybody's mm-hmm. in camp. But I think he is not really fighting for a spot. But I'm not trying to be mean. We're just making predictions. I mean, that guy had a, is a, a JT Barrett has had no NFL career. And tough. we've compared Tough Borland to JT Barrett a gazillion times. And that's an important distinction to make, too, compared to what I said earlier, because Mack and Victor did sort of stick around with the Giants. They weren't like full roster participation guys, but they didn't get, you know, shuttled off. Um, they weren't just practice squad guys. Austin Mack was playing for the Giants this year. Ben Victor, I mm-hmm. think, I'm not sure he got off the practice squad. And I think he got signed to a reserve contract by the Ravens, I think, at the end of the year. But Something Mack like wound up, Mack, Austin Mack is an NFL player. So, but as you said, and, and there's a distinction here of are you drafted and are you an NFL player? That's a very different thing sometimes too. So we're mostly talking about the draft here. Okay, so that's the, that's laying this down. That's pretty good, right? There's not quite the top end. There is quite a sort of middle class of Ohio state players from this team that Nathan, you're right. After Justin Fields, you're going to have a little break, but it is going to be a busy day two and day three. The Buckeyes are going to like dominate the fourth round and the fifth round. Right. That I think that's, and that's, that's not nothing, Nathan. That's not nothing. No, I mean, I, there's a lot of guys. I mean, again, when you break it down by that, when you say, oh, or is this guy one of the top 150 players that's coming into the NFL this year? Um, that I know that maybe doesn't sound that impressive to people maybe at first glance, but just think about it like if we, we talk about guys all the time as being like top 100 or top 150 players coming into any particular recruiting class, right? It's kind of the same thing in some ways. So I, I think there's guys who get drafted in the fourth and fifth rounds all the time that 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 grind and have long um productive or long by NFL standards careers. And I think there's a lot of guys that we're talking about now that could do that sort of thing. I think anybody who gets drafted in a round where it's pretty much a given that you're going to be on the roster is an impressive feat for a school. If you have a bulk of guys who are doing that, because to have a bunch of guys going the first round, is not a realistic thing to ask anybody, any school to develop anybody into. No, I agree with that. I think that makes sense. Okay. So again, we're dipping, we're dipping, we're getting, we're dipping in. We're you guys ever go skinny dipping? No. I feel like there's lots. Nathan didn't answer. Nathan didn't answer. This is a this is a, a rural Illinois 
it should be, but like I grew up in like there there was nothing. There was this thing that we called the Crick, which is how you pronounce Creek in uh, white trash Central Illinois uh, parlance, apparently. And it was like a foot deep, maybe or two. Like you couldn't fish and you couldn't do anything. That was the only body of water around. So so the answer is for us. the answer is yes. I would have liked to skinny dip. There the opportunity to skinny dip just wasn't given to me. He is well, the 2018 linebackers. I can do it. It's also, not skinny dipping. <laughs> it's also not skinny dipping if you just do it by yourself. That's just public nudity. That's just yeah. a that's just a misdemeanor. But like skinny yeah. dipping is like a group of people, right? Hopefully, like you know, um, multi-gendered. So there, I, I also was in such a small town that, that wasn't really an option either. So it is, but it, okay. That, I liked how the beginning of that was. I mean, the nudity part, you're there. You just were lacking the body of water. I mean, it was just log- it was logistics. <laughs> the the desire was there. It just feels like I mean, skinny dipping is like there's always skinny dipping in movies and TV shows. One of my favorite songs because my only band in the world that I care about is REM, and they have a whole song, Night Swimming, that's all about skinny dipping. And it like it always makes me feel bad. Like, is this something that everybody is doing? It's like oh, skinny dipping. Everybody does that. But here on this podcast. Now it feels like a texter get together. <laughs> when we when the world opens back up when COVID is gone, we are having a live Buckeye Talk skinny dipping texter event. No, we not. will we'll go in Mirror Lake. They stopped doing it. Ohio State students don't do it anymore, but we will do it as a as a podcast group. Nathan we'll reveal the winners of the reveal the winners of the body parts in, bracket. Steven will not be in attendance. He will be on Zoom. You can just set off a little computer to the side. Well, we'll do that. Like, we'll have, yeah, people represent, representing elbow. Here comes, yeah. Oh, boy. All right, here is a very interesting thing that I came across, and I want to see what you guys are here. So I'm trying to get you to guess. I looked at the PFF draft board, okay, because we had access to it. It's what I looked at. Now, it's not perfect, and I'm not pretending that it's the end-all, be-all. I also looked at Dane Brugler from The Athletic. I've known Dane for 15 years. He's from Ohio. I used to talk to Dane all the time. I always thought he was the best draft analyst out there, and he was working for CBS Sports, and he was kind of working his way up. He's from Warren, Ohio, and then he got hired by The Athletic, and he's exploded, and he's just – he's excellent. And so I looked at his board, too, for some reference – uh, so I know PFF's not perfect because Pete Warner wasn't on their top 300. And I was like, is this, if I come back around all this, uh, that I, it's been like, I've, I didn't know if I was underestimating Pete Warner in his career. I didn't know if I was overestimating him. Then it was like, everybody loves Pete Warner. And now I'm like, he's not going to get drafted. And they just forgot him. So it's like, they clearly just forgot to put him in because like tough Borland's on their list and Pete Warner's not. And Baron Browning is like, they just forgot. So it's okay. I'm not blaming them, but Nathan momentarily, I was like, I'm again, losing my mind that I Pete Warner is now done. And he officially put it out on Thursday that he's not coming back for an extra year. And I was like, the final last act is that I still have no grasp on Pete Warner, but it turns out it was an oversight because that guy's getting drafted, Nathan, right? Where, I mean, yeah. Uh, but I also think that the, he's one of the ones that I have like the most variance in my own head about where he might be, because on one hand, you see what his value could be to an NFL team. On the other hand, we we look at things only through the Ohio State lens sometimes or so so magnified through the Ohio State lens. And I'm I'm thinking to myself, like how many how many other linebackers are out there of similar size who you say the same things about that you say about Pete Werner in some ways. So he needs to um He'll, he'll need to probably separate a little bit here in these next couple months. I bet that Pete Warner does well in like the agility drills. 
I think his mm. three cone will be good. I think stuff like that. I think he'll run pretty good, but I think he's going to be like a movement guy, right? And that I think I he sort of – He probably goes I, back outside in the NFL, right? He's, he's more, he's more – well, no, yeah. He's more athletic than I think he gets credit for sometimes because I think even uh, – we were a little – caught off guard when we found out he was the world linebacker and not Baron Browning. And I mean, it ended up working out. He led the team in tackles and was pretty good in that role. So I don't know. I, I think he's, here's the word versatility again, talking about how state linebackers. I think he did show himself some value this year by being able to pretty much excel at two different linebacker backer roles the last two years. He's not a safety, but he's a linebacker who I think can do some safety things. So I think, yeah. I think he will be interesting. But again, as I always say in the draft, a lot of times, a lot of people can like you and you keep falling because there's like multiple teams who are down to like, well, we like this guy, but we love this guy. And they, somebody that teams keep loving, you keep finishing second in like pick after pick after pick. And like, you almost went like 53rd and then you go like 96th. You know what I mean? Like, I think that happens sometimes. And I, I, Again, I think maybe Pete Warner could fall into that, but I want to do this. Okay, so I'm trying to see. I want to make this question as tough on you guys as possible. Here's how I'll phrase it. According to the PFF board, okay, I'm looking at the third Ohio State guy on their list, and I'm not going to ask you who it is yet, but think about the third Ohio State guy in their top 100. How many other Big Ten players are there ahead of the third Ohio State guy? Okay, so there's two Ohio State guys, and then how many other Big Ten players? And then we'll run through them because I want to talk about that briefly. You're saying, I'm sorry, you're saying there's two Ohio State players before there are any other Big Ten players? No, I'm saying I'm saying there is the third Big Ten player according to B, the PFF, right? And I, right. I'll, I'll tell you where he's rated. He's rated okay. 69th. The third Ohio State guy is their 69th best overall prospect. Okay. So ahead of that guy are two Ohio State players and how many other Big Ten players is my question. I would say two, three might be a stretch. Okay. Nathan? I was thinking it'd be more like at least five or six. Ten. Wow. Ten. Most years, your guesses are right. I mean, most years it's like, hey, there's – there's there's ten Ohio, there's ten Big Ten guys in the top fifty, and like eight of them are Ohio State guys. You know what I mean? How many of them, how many of them can we yeah, name? How many of them are skill? Okay. How many of them skill it's, positions? Where I can tell you. Okay, so so hold on, hold on, hold on. So it's not really about skill. I just let's name them, so we yep. can go back and forth and see how many of the ten we can name right after this on Buckeye Talk. All right, we're back on Buckeye Talk. We're trying to name the other Big Ten, the ten Big Ten players who are not Ohio State guys. So there's, there's 12 guys of the top 68 prospects, according to PFF. 12 of them are Big Ten players. Two from Ohio State and 10 from other schools. We'll go back and forth, seeing how many we can name. This is like when I was on Stump the Schwab. It feels like this. I'm the Schwab. No, I'm Stuart Scott. You guys are the, are the players. Here we go. Nathan, we'll start with you, and, and then I'll do a buzzer. The first time somebody guesses, you have, just have to keep getting it right until somebody's wrong, and then the other guy's the winner. Nathan, you start. Rashad Bateman. Rashad Bateman is number 18. He is the number 18 prospect. Steven, receiver from Minnesota. Steven. Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons is number six, the linebacker from Penn State. Nathan. Rondale Moore. Rondale Moore is number 26. Number 26, still in the first round. Receiver from Purdue. 
Steven. Uh, Jason Owe. Um, Great answer. Jason Owe, number 20. Defensive end from Penn State, who, by the way, was completely nullified by Thayer Munford and Nicholas petit Frere. <laughs> yeah. Number 20 overall for Stephen Means. Nathan, you're next. Quiddy Pay. Great answer. Number 11. Number 11. Michigan defensive lineman. Stephen, you're up. Greg Newsom. Great answer. 56. Hmm. Hurt early. We talked about him a ton in the lead up to the Big Ten championship game. Hurt early in that game, as well as yeah. Northwestern's defense played. He's one of their best guys. He wasn't out there for most of it. Now we're getting down to the nitty gritty. I've been impressed so far. We have four guys left. My next guess is hard. You said you said 69 was where the third Ohio State guy is. Yep. I, I, yeah, it's uh, hard. And Pat Fryermuth. Pat Fryermuth. That, ah! that is a great answer. 40th. Pat Fryermuth, the, the, the Penn State tight end, is 40th. That's great. I'm going to give you both of this clue, and I think it's fair to give it. You know what? I think at least one of them is an opt-out. So oh, Par- um, Parsons didn't play this year. There's another guy on this list who, who did not play this year, but as a Big Ten player. I can't remember if Jalen Mayfield played. That might go, be with your, go with your gun. Yeah, Jalen Mayfield. <laughs> I think Jalen Mayfield actually did play then. He opted okay. out and then opted back, but he is also okay. a correct answer. 65, Jalen Mayfield, tackle from Michigan. So there's two left. One guy didn't play, and one guy won a bunch of awards. A bunch of awards. Oh, um, uh, and I'm just I'm blanking on the name. Describe him. What side of the ball are you thinking, Nathan? Offense. Offensive line. Yeah, he's got to be a lineman. Um. If Nathan, if you pass, we'll give Nate, we'll give Stephen a chance to steal it. Well, there, there, actually, there's defensive guys like some like what about like Davion Nixon from Iowa? Davion Nixon is is who I'm thinking of. That's okay. so it's not an offensive guy. Yeah, that's the guy with the awards. Yeah, was he not the defensive lineman of the year in the Big Ten? He was, he yeah. was an All American. Yeah. All right, so there's one left. I'm very impressed that you guys, Stephen, can you finish it off? And now this is the clue. This guy's the opt out. Did not play this year. Can I get another clue? Offense. Well, Okay. Rashad Slater. Rashad Slater is correct. Number 12, which again goes back to how good Northwestern was. Northwestern had a guy who was projected to go in the top half of the first round who didn't play and they still won the West. I am super impressed by you guys. I I feel like we just trashed Buckeye Talk's reputation of not knowing anything about the rest of the Big Ten. But also, I mean, it's a bunch of tackles and edge rushers and then a tight end and some corners. It wasn't, and then one wide receivers. It wasn't like it was. Some shocking positions. Yeah, so, it was positions that go in the first and second round usually outside so, of five groups. So we'll run through it again real quick. Justin Fields, according to PFF, was number three. Is the number three overall player. Micah Parsons, six. Quiddy Pay, 11. Rashawn Slater, 12. Rashad Bateman, 18. Jason Owe, 20. Rondale Moore, 26. So that's six Big Ten guys before you get to the second Ohio State guy, which is Wyatt Davis at 32. Pat Fryermuth at 40. Greg Newsom, 56, Jalen Mayfield, 65, Davion Nixon, 67. And then who do you think is the next Ohio State guy at 69? Who would you guess that is that they have as the third Ohio State player on their board? I'm going to lean Sean Wade over Tokyo just because of the position he plays. What do you yeah, say? I, I assume Sean Wade. 
Sean Wade is 69. Togi I is 77. Okay. So let's run through. I, I mean, some of this is hard. I'm not going to make a guess on some of this because it, it doesn't, it's not necessarily representative. They still have Tyreek Smith on their list, which is they just haven't pulled everybody off yet. Tyreek Smith was 81. Trey Sermon, 94. Baron Browning, 97. So in their top 100 of guys who are actually going to the league, it's only one, two, three, four, five, six Ohio State guys. Fields, Wyatt Davis, Sean Wade, Tommy Togiai, Trey Sermon, Baron Browning in the PFF top 100, but they forgot that Pete Warner exists. So I think Pete Warner is probably in there because Pete Warner is number 86 on Dane Brugler's list. And I felt like during the year, there were a lot of people mentioning Pete Warner as a top 100 pick. And that's a decent distinction. It's like, you know, kind of like top three rounds. So let's, I want to run through this a little bit specifically and we'll kind of go in reverse a little bit and then we'll get to some guys down the list, but Pete Warner who is not in their top 100 as an oversight, is 86 by Dane Brugler. We have talked about him a little bit, but Stephen, does that seem right to you? Like, if you had to guess right now, do you think Pete Warner will be a top 100 pick in this draft? And I'll try to give some context as we have this discussion, but go ahead with your thoughts on that. I do. Like I said earlier, he showed enough over the last two years to show you can put him in a lot of different spots. He's not pigeonholed into one linebacker position or one role on your defense. I think he can play in a four, three or a three, four because of that. Uh, and then, yeah, I, yeah, I think had, had there been a normal combine this year, I think he would have been a star at it just because I think he's a lot more athletic than people give him credit for. And even if they don't have that, people will get, will get enough of a sense of him that he'll go in the top 100. So I like to try to give Ohio state context on these discussions because it's the only context that I really know where I feel like I'm an, I'm an expert at all. Jerome Baker was the number 73 overall pick. He was the ninth pick in the third round in 2018. Jerome Baker, I think, led the Dolphins in tackles this year. Jerome Baker is awesome. And Jerome Baker got Bill Davis his last year at Ohio State, and he did not have as good of a last year at Ohio State compared to his next to last year at Ohio State. And I think it hurt his draft stack status. And I'm not you guys know by now, we're not taking shots at anybody. I'll take Jerome Baker 100 times out of 100 over Pete Warner. No offense to Pete Warner. I think Jerome Baker is, is really has what you want as an NFL linebacker. So the idea of like Pete Warner going higher than Jerome Baker, we know all the context changes. That's hard for me to wrap my head around. I think this is a pretty, a pretty good direct comparison. And we, you guys both know this one. Nathan Malik Harrison last year was, was the number 98 pick. So how do we think right now with our dip? We're not, I wouldn't say we have our, we, we have like our, uh, we take our socks off. We're still just dip. We're still just putting our toes in the water. Cause we haven't done this before. Number 98. Is that a reasonable context for Pete Warner? Maybe. Uh, I, I think I, mean, I was about to bring up Harrison cause I was looking back at last year's coverage and you know, he had the best, cone drill time of all the linebackers last year so he was another guy who went to the combine and showed some things it was actually at that point it was the third best cone drill in the entire combine I don't know how many came after that but you know um, a, a really strong um, 40 time compared you know relative to his weight and things like that maybe Werner could have done a little bit better he ran like a 466 so I, I guess I'm looking at him in kind of the same context like I the well, one thing that Werner has though as Steven already alluded to as I guess we've all alluded to is that I don't think any NFL team drafted Malik Harrison thinking, 
we can maybe move him outside. I think Werner just has more places on a roster he can help a team. He could be an outside linebacker. He could maybe even be an inside backer if you're running a 3-4. I just think there's a lot of places you could use him. Which is why, with that comparison, Malik Harrison was clearly the better linebacker at Ohio State. That's not up for debate. But I think Pete Warner's upside in the NFL because of that versatility can mean he can be a better NFL linebacker than Malik Harrison. If you guys were drafting an NFL team, would you rather have Pete Warner or Malik Harrison? NFL, Pete Warner. Nathan? I mean, assuming I need both of those positions, because I don't think I think Pete Warner's an outside backer in the NFL, then I would probably draft Harrison. I'd take Harrison. So I think it's in that range, but, you know, we're just dipping in right now. All right, I want to do Trey Sermon. Trey Sermon is 94 on this PFF list. Um, I'm trying to find – I mean, like, Ezekiel Elliott's not it. I think J.K. Dobbins is a significantly better NFL prospect. I mean, J.K. Dobbins just ran Mark Ingram out of Baltimore. J.K. Dobbins is, like, going to be the primary back for a Super Bowl contending team for, like, the next five years. So that's what J.K. Dobbins is. I don't think Trey Sermon is that I'm trying to find context. It's actually, I think JK went too late last year. JK went 55 overall. I'm looking at Carlos Hyde back. He went number 57 in his draft in 2014, late in the second round. They're not similar backs, but I'm trying to think of like, just like similar production, similar how they fit in. I don't know. Like I, I don't. I think I'd take Carlos Hyde probably over Trey Sermon, but Trey Sermon's upside, I think, is better than Carlos Hyde's. Nathan, go ahead. Well, I was going to say that even though in those six years, and I don't follow the NFL religiously, but just anecdotally, it seems like in those six years, the urgency to draft running backs has drifted even farther down. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like unless you are Saquon Barkley, unless you are someone that is just – the elite of the elite, you do not get drafted as high anymore as a running back. It didn't shock me that the JK Dobbins felt where he did, because I feel like people look at running backs as having a pretty limited shelf life. And um, especially a place like Baltimore, they're using like four of them at a time or whatever, three of them at a time. Like they, they see they're, the, the way that NFL running back is used has just modified over time. I now, think- but, but if you can get an Elliott, if you can get a Saquon Barkley, if you can get that, that Uber elite guy, Ah, you definitely try to get him early. I think what'll help Trey Sherman that didn't necessarily help J.K. Dobbins at that point last year was his ability to catch pass out of the out of the backfield. J.K. hadn't necessarily proven that as much. I think late in the season they started when Justin finally decided that hey, the check down is an option as well, and not just whoever sixty yards down the field. He showed that he was a viable option there, and so I think for a team who's got a quality passing passing attack and doesn't necessarily rely on a running back to, you know, be a workhorse. I think a team might jump on him. I, I don't know if the checkdowns showed much like from as far as his receiving talent, because he's just kind of wide open and you're dumping the ball off to him. I thought that was a bigger development for the offense and for fields. than it was necessarily for sermon, but once he did get catches out in space like that, he did something with him. And I think that that helps him maybe more than just the fact that he caught a soft pass from, close range. I think Trey has some intriguing upside left, right? That it's like, man, that you watch him at his best and you think that really translates, but I, I don't think he's a sure thing. So I think, I mean, that, that's where you get into like a third round sec, maybe late second round risk, but I think it's more like a third or fourth round and maybe it really pops. Right. But um, 
I would be a little nervous taking him in the top 100 at the moment, just because as you sort of said, Steven, I mean, if you're taking a guy in the top 100, you're kind of counting on him to help your team fast. Mm -hmm. And I, that I would be a little reluctant on Trey, I think on that, mostly because he's shown it in spurts, but not consistently. Let's I would also say right now, it seems like if you want to like make a comparison to political stuff, this seems like the post debate bump on Trey Sermon a little bit or the post uh, convention bump. Like he just had this showcase. And so he rose a little bit, but now what happens when all the running backs in the country start doing all their measurements, where does he fit in there? Does he and drift also, down, down a little bit? And also how much, uh, we don't know how healthy he is right now. How much did that play a role in this? Oh, that's true. That's I mean, actually a very good point. He's not done dealing with an injury, and now he's dealing with a collarbone. True. All right, Tommy Togiai is number 77 on this list. Again, he's a very different player than these guys, but in their drafts, Draymond Jones as an Ohio State defensive tackle went 71. Adolphus Washington went 80. And last year, Davon Hamilton went 73. That's a pretty good – again, they're not the same kind of player – but, you know, here we go. Uh, Davon Hamilton was a fifth-year guy. Tommy Tokiai was a third-year guy. I think, they're, you know, they're even going to do different things and play different roles inside. But, Nathan, who would you rather have? If you're an NFL team, would you rather have Davon Hamilton or would you rather have Tommy Togiai? I think I would rather have Tommy Togiai. It, it's, it, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I think I'd rather have Tommy Togiai. And I think this is the one position of the people we're talking about uh, maybe the one position on the field where the when a pro scout looks at film, they're going to see things that we don't even see sometimes when we watch film and certainly things that don't show up statistically, right? I, I think they're going to see just the way things move around them, the way that they move people, those sorts of things that can sometimes just get buried in the big mass of people at the line, even more so than offensive linemen sometimes. I think he's a guy that from we watched all this year when we saw the pressure that he got, the push that he got inside. And I think that's something that's going to impress those people more, even more. Those tackles get doubled every single snap. And yet he was blowing up lines of scrimmages. I think scouts are going to see that. I'd rather have Tommy Togia. This is the guy that has a chance to explode. And this is a guy that has a chance to like, go like as the sixth pick in the second round and, and be like, what? And it's like, this guy is just scratching the surface. And as people are, you know, his teammates are joking about, he's going to, he's going to crush the bench. Right. And then I think he's going to be athletic otherwise. And you're only a third year guy. You haven't shown everything you can be. I, this is the most interesting guy, I think in the draft from an Ohio state standpoint, because we know the least amount about him. And he has them. A lot of times when you're, when you're trying to go high, it's like, do you have an elite skill? This guy's, this guy's elite skill is he will tear your arms off. Right. I mean, he is disruptive inside, and we know how big that can be. And I don't think there are other guys like him. Sometimes you fall in the draft because it's like, well, we like you, but there's kind of nine other guys who kind of do what you do. I don't know that there's a lot of people like Tommy Tokyo. So if you feel like, man, we can change our team with a disruptive nose, he's it. And I'm not saying there's not a couple other guys, but that might, it makes you pull the trigger, you know, at 37, because you're like, man, if we're trying to, he's not, a guy like this is not going to come back around. Sean Wade at 69. We had talked a lot about sort of coming in. He wants to try to make himself a first-round pick. I don't know that anybody thinks he's a first-round pick right now. I feel like he'll probably go in the second round, and I feel like the season Sean had, it might swing back around that he's now underrated because as we sort of talked about, we don't have to talk a ton about Sean at this point because I think people kind of have an idea on this, but Stephen, like 
He's not a lockdown outside corner. He might be a really effective NFL player, playing slot, moving around, playing some free safety, whatever. He's just not going to be Marshawn Lattimore, Jeff Okuda. Yeah, it's, it's that simple. So now you don't have to pay as much money to get him. You can He'll still be on the board. If a team really likes him, they don't have to take him in the first round. They can go a whole cycle and maybe even trade up into the second round to go get him because there's still value. You just don't have to give him first round outside cornerback money to get him. It's too bad that we look sometimes at guys just exclusively through that lens. Like, did you get into that first round? You know, especially when you're a guy that has his accolades even before he gets to college. He's an All-American. I think there's expectations that go along with that. But look at it through the other way. Like, if he had come out last year and gotten drafted in the first round or even in the second round and they tried to make him something he wasn't, and does that lead to a shorter NFL career than what he could have now, which is now I think there's a better understanding of the player he is probably between himself and teams. And you can go in and maybe you get drafted solidly in the second round by a team that knows how it wants to use you, knows who you really are and can maximize that. And now you end up having a longer career because of it. Maybe that's me just trying to, to rationalize some things, but I, I, I think that I don't, I think his his chances of, of getting in the NFL and sticking, which should be the most important thing other than just getting drafted, um, is is just as good maybe as it was at the end of last year. I think his, his measurables also interest me. Because steel is not the right word because everybody knows who Sean Wade is. But I do think a guy who's kind of built like that, who might be kind of fast and his instincts are there, might be, for lack of a better way of using it, a steal in the second round because you're built like an outside corner. You just don't necessarily have you know the skill set that goes with it. But you have the skills to do a lot of other stuff. And you're at the right position. The, I, Greedy Williams is a guy coming out of LSU. The yeah. Browns took him at number 46 in the second round. He had health. He had injury issues, which are why he missed all of this year. So it's like, and Sean doesn't have that. And Greedy Williams had tackling issues at LSU, which is why he fell a bit. But it's like, you feel like, well, you can cover a guy. And again, they're not the exact, but they were both kind of like accomplished college guys who had maybe you know, a question mark in their game. And at one point might've been thought of as a first round pick. And then you wind up going in the middle of the second round, but the Browns drafted greedy Williams to be like a starting outside corner. And now he had injury issues, but I think there's a lot, Sean Wade, I think is going to be in the mix in the second round. And is probably going to be picked by a team that's going to pick him to be on the field a lot immediately. And they'll figure out you play inside, even like the Browns this year. And it's the, I'm only using this because it's the context I have. They had a guy in Kevin Johnson that they brought in to be their slot corner. And then when Denzel Ward was hurt, Kevin Johnson played outside corner, right? So he was their third corner. He's like their starting slot corner who can play outside if one of their starting guys is hurt, which is why I have seen like Browns people say, you know what? There is a world where Sean Wade fits right in here because like Kevin Johnson wasn't good enough for the Browns this year, but that kind of role for Sean you're the third corner on the team. You start in nickel, and then you, they have confidence in you if one of the top two outside corners goes down. That's the kind of guy you you spend a second-round pick on, for sure. Mm-hmm. So I think he's going to have a real spot here. And he does have a lot of the measurables. He's really smart. He was still adjusting to stuff. He's, he's going to be fine. Let's do Wyatt Davis real quick. He's right on the edge. PFF has him at 32. Dane Brugler has him at 41. He's a really good guard. Like, he's a really good guard. He's not Quentin Nelson. He's not going to go in the top 10. Sometimes guards, you know, whatever. Billy Price went 21 
as a center guard. And Billy Price has not been great in Cincinnati so far. But that was a really good interior offensive lineman at Ohio State. You know, there's a world to me where, and I thought Billy Price was going to be a really good pro and it hasn't worked yet. But there's a world to me where if Billy Price can go 21, Wyatt Davis can go in the first round. You know, it's going to be a little bit's going to be on need and stuff. But like, Nathan, you know, whatever. He's going to go, I think, between 20 and 40. And it's just going to be a little bit about who falls in love with him. And, and he's another guy that I think this season, it wasn't that we ever thought he was playing poorly, right? I think it was just like there were things that he flashed last year, I thought, where he was getting in a second level and really blowing guys up. I don't know that we necessarily saw that as much this year, but the the way the offensive whole line was comprised was different this year a little bit too. So I, I just, it, I, I think he had a really solid season. I don't think that's a knock. Um, I, maybe he didn't take things to another level. He was still a solid all around guard. I think he's I, a lot of teams are going to probably going to be happy to get him late in the first, early second round. I want to go rewatch Wyatt Davis snaps now. Cause I, I think you're right, Nathan, but I also think that the running game was weird for the first couple of weeks because running backs weren't in holes and doing the things that we saw J.K. Dobbins do. So you maybe didn't pay as much attention to if a guy was mulling a guy on the offensive line. So I'm not, I want to go pay attention to when Trey Sermon started being the Trey Sermon we all know now and see then what Wyatt Davis looked like in those games in comparison to maybe what they looked like in the Nebraska game when the running game was a little wacky. All right, I wonder if we went through Alabama prospects real quick, just as a note of like, this is what Ohio State faced in the national championship game. I want to talk very briefly about the guys who aren't in the top 100 for PFF, and then a quick Justin Fields discussion next on Buckeye Talk. All right, back on Buckeye Talk, just as a context for what PFF has. Um, so we're talking about since Tyreek Smith didn't, didn't go pro, we have one, two, three, four, six Ohio State guys in the top 100. There are nine Alabama guys in the top 100, but there are more guys higher. So there are six Alabama guys in the top 35. There are two Ohio State guys in the top 35. So that's what Ohio State was up against. They have Jalen Waddle seven, Devontae Smith, eight. Christian Barrymore, the defensive lineman, is 15. Patrick Sertain, the cornerback, is 17. Mac Jones, 29. He'll go in the first round. Alex Leatherwood, the left tackle, is 35. The, the center who didn't play, Landon Dickerson, is 58. Najee Harris, 68, and then Dylan Moses, the linebackers, 91. So Alabama was really good, in case anybody didn't know that. Josh Myers, not in the top 100. Jonathan Cooper, not in the top 100. PFF actually has Cooper ahead of Josh Myers. PFF has Jonathan Cooper at 109. Josh Myers at 131. And again, when I'm looking, I want to talk about Myers quickly. When I'm looking at Josh Myers' context, we've seen a lot of guys sort of like this, these interior offensive linemen. The guy who's a comparison for me is Pat Elfline who was the sixth pick in the third round in 2017, the number 70 overall pick. You know, Pat Alfine won the Remington, whatever, but it's like that's a solid multi-year starter on your interior offensive line. We know what we thought Josh Myers did this year. He didn't become an All-American. He was good, maybe not great. They are what they are. But 131, Nathan, I, I think it's possible Josh Myers goes like middle of the third round, that he gets into the top 100. So I just looked at the pro football focus one that they post on a January 12th. Is that the one you've been going on? It looks like you're going off of a different one, but this was one of their big boards and there are no centers in the top 100. Mm-hmm. So th- that to me becomes a big thing. Like if there's a team that has an urgent need at center and he's maybe the best one con- out there this year or, or one of the two best ones out there, I could absolutely see him crawling, climbing up. 
I mean, you can't, you can't draft for need. I mean, like you can't, you can't reach for a center. Dane Brugler, Bo, but Dane Brugler has Josh Myers 54. So that's a, there's a difference of opinion there. And also, and Dane's great. So, I mean, I do, Josh Myers is going to be interesting, you know? So, I mean, but I, I mean, I, if I had to guess, I would guess that he ends up in the top hundred. I think just based on conversations I had, if he had been getting feedback that had him down in that like 150 range, I don't think he would have left. I think he'd be back at Ohio State this year. He thinks he's going on the second round. I think so. Yeah, I think they got. I think they got better news than they were expecting. Is is definitely the vibe that I get. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, all right, let's finish up with Justin Fields. And again, we're only going to talk about this a million times over the next three months. Justin Fields is going to be in a battle with Zach Wilson from BYU to be the second quarterback off the board. We all know that Trevor Lawrence is going to go number one to Jacksonville. The Jets have the number two pick right now. And the interesting thing about this, and we don't have to evaluate everything about Justin Fields right now. The Deshaun, the Deshaun Watson factor here that it feels like Deshaun Watson is not going to play for the Houston Texans again. And what are they going to do? What kind of trade might they be able to make? And there's going to be a discussion about whether the Jets should trade the number two pick to Houston in some sort of package to get Deshaun Watson. And I think Houston's decision about that might center on how they feel about the quarterback they're going to be able to pick with the number two pick. It is very possible that Justin Fields becomes a Houston Texan. That is out there. It's not just who picks him, whether it's the Jets or Atlanta or Carolina or whatever. It is an interesting wrinkle, and we have to watch this, Stephen. We don't know how it's going to play out, but of, of course, our instinct right now is that we would take Justin Fields over Zach Wilson. Justin Fields, to me, seems like more of the upside guy. Zach Wilson's a bit of a smaller guy, but Justin Fields is also accurate. You know, I don't exactly know what his downside is. And actually, I don't think D- Deshaun Watson is the best comparison in the type of player. But the fact that Deshaun Watson went number 12 – because people were kind of like, well, I don't know what the college guy, how do you do? You know what I mean? And it's like, if you feel like a crazy person now, it's like, how did Deshaun Watson get to 12? He's everything you want. We're in a world where, you know, I think the NFL has evolved and they're smarter than that. Justin Field doesn't go in 12, but man, Steven, he feels like the second best quarterback to me. He feels like right now in late January as the number two pick in this draft. I think people are way too focused on that Indiana and Northwestern game and not the other 20 starts that he had in his career where he was with what you just described, accurate, made smart decisions, could show he can run and make plays with his feet and has a strong arm. And we're allowing really not even two games where we're allowing six quarters of football to decide that now he's no longer – we've gone from it's neck and neck with Trevor Lawrence and him to, to him maybe being the – third or fourth best quarterback in this draft, which I'm not completely understanding. Yeah, I, I want to point out something real quick since you brought up this player. Uh, uh, Adam Schefter reported a half hour ago, Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields is signed for representation with Athletes First and agent David Mulageta, who also reps Deshaun Watson. That's not David Mulageta is an unbe- unbelievable agent who is uh, at the forefront of, of a lot of that stuff. That's a great place for, for Justin to sign. Justin but if you're talking, like if you're talking about that scenario, people, that scenario you're talking about where some team might have to, you're drafting Justin maybe, but you're also figuring out a trade. It's interesting that the representation could line up there too. Um, but I, it's, it, I, I texted this out when Justin announced for the draft and I'm going to do, I think some more writing about it because I went back and looked, there've been some, a couple of 
pieces that have come out the last couple of years. There's one by 538.com a couple of years ago. Um, and there was one by the ringer last year about how NFL teams are starting to evaluate quarterback talent and what things are important to them. Like what, 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 metrics and stats correlate really strong and it was completion percentage was the number one thing justin's completion percentage is up around 70 percent i think for the last two years or high 60s the average depth of target i haven't actually been able to find that but espn's total qbr i think the only three people ahead of him in total qbr the last two years were burrow tua and mac jones this year so i mean he's better than trevor lawrence in a lot of those things and and the one thing that that also correlates was uh, yards per attempt and his isn't great. It's like nine, it was like 9.3 this year, and Trevor Lawrence was like 9.4. So they were both kind of down in that same range, and no one's knocking Trevor Lawrence for that. So I think I, I kind of agree with Steven that when you step back and look at the entirety of things, there's so much more good than there is things to be concerned about. Um, now, do there are there things I think he has to to play better as uh, the, to be an NFL quarterback? Absolutely. Um, and I also think that there is some concern out there about there's a correlation also between the number of starts that you get at the college level and how that translates to the next level. Um, but he may also be one of those talents that transcends that you're not, you're not asking a more ordinary quarterback and expecting him to get his 25, 30, whatever the number of starts is. This is a guy that was, has always had a greater talent level than the average guy. I don't understand that either. I'm not saying you're wrong that people think that I just don't, I mean, he started for two years, which is pretty on but, brand. But the second year, but the second year was only eight games. That's yeah, the thing. That, yeah. About, that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's about just the sheer number of games that there is. Again, I'd have to research this, but uh, people have been referencing this, that there's kind of that correlation between, I can't remember what the magic number is. I think it's 25 or 30. Yeah. That's made up and it's stupid. I mean, like it, it came up now. I mean, it's stupid. I mean, if they had a COVID year, what's he supposed to do? If they, if they yeah. wouldn't have had like the Maryland, Illinois and Michigan games canceled, then you would pick him, but you wouldn't it, pick him now. I mean, that's. It, <laughs> it comes up when you have like a one year wonder that. No, I know that's, somewhere. but that's not what this is. So it's like, right. that's yeah. not, that's apple. Yeah. it's not, I played every game that he had an opportunity to play in as a it, starter. Last it year. came up with right. Mitch Trubisky and it turns out that the people who brought that up with Mitch Trubisky were right. And I, I didn't buy it at the time. Cause I liked, I liked everybody. I like everybody. That's kind of my thing. That's just, I, Steven is becoming the mean one. Now I'm the becoming the, I like everybody guy, it's but right I liked with Dwayne Mitch, Haskins too. I liked, I liked it's, it's exactly right on Dwayne. And like the difference between, and I want to get to that, but like, Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson played more college snaps than Mitch Trubisky, in addition to like also being better than him. But Mitch Trubisky went too, and people who were pulling the reins back on, listen, like that's not enough. Bill Parcells is a guy who started that with, he wants a certain number of starts, but it is Justin doesn't reach it only because of COVID. But Dwayne, I mean, if Dwayne, Dwayne went, what, 15? And, yeah. and people thought he should have gone six to the Giants. I mean, I don't know how to express it. And Dwayne just signed with the Steelers today on Thursday, and that might be a great place. Dwayne is responsible for his shortfalls in Washington. Also, the organization is responsible for them. They did nothing to help him with firing coaches and being dysfunctional. That's the most – from top to bottom, from ownership on down, it's the most dysfunctional team in the league. But Dwayne is also responsible for it because Chase Young went there and thrived. Terry McLaurin went there and thrived. So Dwayne has to own that. But putting Dwayne with Mike Tomlin and one of the most stable organizations in the league, this is a chance for Dwayne to, to figure it out and for someone to help Dwayne figure it out. So best of luck to Dwayne. I like it. I like it. I don't know if it means he's Ben Roethlisberger's successor and that he's going to be the Steelers quarterback for the next 10 years, but I think it's a good, it's a good attempt. It's a good risk. There's no risk for Pittsburgh. And if Dwayne's looking for a landing spot to take his best shot, that's a great place to go. Good luck to him.
Steven, I don't want to talk too much about Dwayne. Justin yeah. is what percent a better NFL prospect than Dwayne? 75, 80. In that I mean, like, I mean, Dwayne's arm is awesome, but Justin's arm is awesome and he can run. So it's, yeah, it's, and, and all it, the it's that, but also the intangible stuff. I don't think like, there is something that every athlete can't go play for their hometown because it's not, it's a, it's a, it's either a very good thing that you're playing for your hometown or it's a very bad thing. It's no middle ground with that. Chase, Chase Young and, and Dwayne Haskins are a prime example of that. Uh, just Justin Fields, I don't think would have that problem if Atlanta were the team that drafted him. I don't think you're going to have an off the field issue with him because he hasn't. The worst thing he ever did was couldn't get on the field, which is a pretty normal thing for quarterbacks to do. Yeah, Justin's got whatever the Dwayne stuff was, and and some off field stuff with Dwayne, or just having his head on straight about some things derailed him, helped derail him. I don't think as much as you know Justin was was being shown around by Dwayne. Then they got here. Dwayne is one of the reasons that Justin is here. The connection with Quincy Avery, we all know that, but they're different guys. And I just think Justin is a little bit more. He's a little more of a grinder than Dwayne. Dwayne is a little bit. I, I don't know. I don't want, I loved Dwayne. I loved Dwayne. I loved all of Dwayne's stuff. But as I wrote, when it got sideways for Dwayne, it was like, oh yeah, no, I see that. And yeah, I, like, I would be like, it is not going to get the way it got sideways for Dwayne. There's no way it gets sideways that way for Justin. That is not who Justin is. Right. Steven. Yeah. I'm a, this is, I don't know if this is asked me, but this is my, can I be mean real quick moment? I think, Dwayne Haskins is a great quarterback, but I also think he's in love with the lifestyle that comes with being a high-level football player. Justin doesn't care about I mean, I, I asked him about it and wrote about it. He doesn't care about the lifestyle that comes with it. He just wants to play football and then sit in his house and hang out with his dog. I think that's right. And that's not a slam on Dwayne. It's not like Dwayne's the only guy who thinks that way. But that's no. what Dwayne has to fix. That's what derailed him as much. But also, Justin is much more mobile. You know, and that's that's a big deal in the NFL. That was something Dwayne was going to have to overcome. So there's going to be a lot of interest around Dwayne. Again, the Jets are two. Miami has the third pick. People have theorized, should they go in and take another quarterback, even with two of there? The Falcons at four is like bonkers time. Like if you get Justin, I mean, if the Falcons take Justin, people are going to go crazy in Atlanta. Like he, mm-hmm. he, it's it's on if it's in Atlanta. So that's not even about Justin falling to four. That's about the Falcons telling the Jets, hey, listen, man, what does it take for us to move up two spots? And the Jets saying, okay, we'll take it. We're not getting Deshaun. We're not taking Justin. We'll keep Sam Darnold. Try that. Take a bounty from the Falcons. Put more weapons around Darnold and see what happens. So we have no idea where Dwayne's going to go. The Panthers at eight, I think, continues to be interesting. And not that it matters that much, but we know Matt Rule and Ryan Day work together. They're friends. Matt Rule, I mean, Ryan Day is going to tell Matt Rule everything he needs to know. Not that Ryan won't, won't tell everybody. And Ryan's going to have nothing but great things to say about Justin. But would the Panthers move up and try to do something crazy? So I do think somebody might come get Dwayne. Excuse me, come get Justin. I think that might be what this is. That if the Jets, the Jets might just take him. They might just say, no, we're not doing any. This is the guy. This guy's special. But somebody might give them an offer they can't refuse because somebody falls in love with Justin and says, we'll give up a couple extra future first to come get this guy. I mean, as much as all three of those guys, those teams, you could talk yourself into why they might need to take a quarterback. You can also, all three of those teams, it's plausible they would also trade out of that spot. And it's one of those things that, I mean, that could be great for Justin. You know, that then you don't go to a team that like tore it down and is terrible. You go to like a middle of the pack team that was almost like a quarterback away from competing mm-hmm. immediately. And we saw it, you like know, Washington. 
Well, for real. I mean, like that's like I mean, I mean Washington, <laughs> made, Washington made the playoffs this past year with with Haskins <laughs> being as bad as it was. Yeah. They I mean, might literally be a quarterback away. I mean, they have, they have like the best young defense in the league. Um, you know, who's also like an interesting team and I don't know that they have enough to get it, but the Niners at 12, if they think Garoppolo is not the long-term answer, they have a great young defense. And then again, I don't know what it would take, but it's like, go like, go Justin, let Justin Fields go hang out with Kyle Shanahan and do that. I mean, that'd be pretty cool too. Um, so Justin, Justin, someone's going to come get Justin, I think. And he's going to show why he's a franchise quarterback. And I think he's, uh, he's going to do some special things in the league. All right. We just wanted to dip in a little bit. We kept our clothes on for it this time, but we wanted to take a little uh, fully clothed dip into NFL waters. Our plan for the Saturday pod is some assistant coach stuff. We'll get back to the current Buckeyes, not the NFL Buckeyes, and uh, talk about some assistant coaches, how they did this year, uh, what's ahead for them. And uh, we have this 2018 draft stuff we want to do. I think we'll get to another couple rapid-fire podcasts coming up, and then we got to figure out what bracket is next. We'll get to that on Buckeye Talk. So try the text at 614-350-3315. Drop a review at Apple Podcasts. We love it when you do that. Make sure you're reading cleveland.com slash OSU. For Stephen and Nathan, I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>